This is Around the Rim with LaChina Robinson. Hello, basketball fans. It is your favorite time of the week. That's right. A new episode of your women's basketball podcast, your ESPNW women's basketball podcast, Around the Rim. Um, just a little bit of a tweak. We're going to start taping our shows on Tuesday post Big Monday um, because we want to be able to highlight the women's games that are happening on Monday. So we will be recording on Tuesdays, which means you probably get your podcast Wednesday morning um, as we look ahead to Thursdays and Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays. But anyway, um, it is a crazy time right now. I think I say that so often when we're coming on air. Um, I am your host, LaChina Robinson, joined by my fantastic and fabulous producer, Tarika Foster-Brasby. And Tarika, um, I don't even know where to start because every time I turn around, the the polls and the rankings in women's basketball are taking a shift. We had a very big game on Thursday mm-hmm. between Louisville and Notre Dame, a 1-2 matchup. Um and Notre Dame finds themselves not only the winner of that game, which is huge um, within the ACC is from a conference standpoint, um, but number one in the polls. Uh, just a, a quick recap of that game. It, it, it was great. I mean, called by our, our final four crew of Rebecca Lobo, Adam Amin, Carol Lawson, and Holly Rowe. And what stands out to me about that game, a couple things. Um, Asia Durr is ridiculous. Ridiculous. But but so is Arike Agumbawale. You got to pick one, Tarika. Don't put me in this position <laughs> because there's no way you can. You know, when you started that game from the beginning, I was like, oh, God, Asia is about to go off in this game. I see it happening. Maybe I should have picked Louisville. And then that clutch gene happens. The clutch gene does happen. It's a real all the time for her. I mean, come on. I mean, she's ridiculous. Anyway, she made the big plays down the stretch. Uh, the big shots, at least on a night that was just not the smoothest Notre Dame offense we're used to seeing. And credit Louisville, and for everyone who was on like Twitter and stuff saying, "Oh, these fouls are ridiculous," you must not remember the old biggies. Like mm-hmm. that's what Louisville does. Not saying that that they foul, but they are a physical team, right? Like that's that's always been a staple of Jeff Wall's teams. Like they are going to mix it up defensively. They have, um, you know, one of the best defensive pedigrees, in my opinion. Of, of some of the top teams in the country under Jeff Walls. And, and so it didn't surprise me that it was ugly. I think that's what Louisville wanted. I just felt like in the waning moments, there was no answer for Arike on those shots. I thought that there were a couple of tough shots down the stretch by Carter and Durr that didn't help Louisville's offense as they tried to respond. Um, a lot of trouble for, foul trouble for the Cardinals, which obviously was a problem. Evans, Dunham, there were players that had four fouls, but at the end of the day, um, Agumba Wale took over, but there's just so much to glean for that. I mean, Jackie Young had to take over the point guard spot. Marina Mabry has not been consistently at her best, and we know she started the season with an injury, so that mm-hmm. has something to do with it. Jess Shepard wasn't herself, um, you know, even though she had a big night on the glass. But uh, I'll tell you this: I'll take Louisville Notre Dame anytime. I'll, and as a matter of fact, I'll take them against any of the other top teams. I mean, they're just fun to watch. They're well-coached teams, fun to watch, and I I thought the night was was fantastic. I would agree. And then if you thought that it ended on Thursday night, it continued because this weekend was seriously upset city. Oh, my gosh. Everybody could get it this weekend. Oh, my gosh, (laughs) yes. Um, That was going to be one of my other points in this introduction, especially in the SEC. Tennessee has now lost three games in a row for the first time in 33 years, okay, um, this weekend they took an L to Georgia. Um, and then Ole Miss won at Kentucky. Number 16, I called that game. Coach Yo, who we've had on this show before, got a huge win. Her first year in the SEC, Ole Miss had been getting like trampled in their first few games in the league. And then they beat t- uh, Kentucky at Kentucky. Now they didn't have Macy Morris. Um, and, and when you think about it, they are a rather young team considering the fact that, um, you know, Taylor Murray was not at her best because she had gotten injured. I just feel like she physically didn't feel well. Like I, and I don't think, and so she missed every shot. But um, they rely on a, a freshman, Ryan Howard, who, ooh, she is nasty. Um, but you know that's a lot to put on the shoulders of a freshman. But anyway, um, 
was impressed by Crystal Allen of Ole Miss and just their defense and their belief in winning. Missouri lost to Florida. So I, I find, I look at the SEC as kind of like the cornerstone right now of the shakeups, but the Big Ten is crazy too. And matter of fact, guys, if you, if we didn't, you didn't know this when you clicked on the podcast, we're going to talk about the Big Ten, um, on this episode because I don't know what is happening. Now we all watched Big Monday and it was Iowa against Minnesota. Minnesota started off the year undefeated. Now they've lost four in a row. Lindsey Wayland has, has really hit a rough spot with her team. Um, Iowa has had some good and bad moments, um, but it was obviously a good one for them on, on Monday night, winning 81 to 63 behind Megan, Megan Gustafson, who I would be shocked if she's not a first team All American. Um, 34 points on 16 to 22 shooting. But we're going to talk about that later in the show. We brought on three Big Ten experts. Uh, Blake Dudonis, Lisa Byington, and Shelly Till. We also on this show, um, are going to talk to Danielle Robinson, one of my favorites. D Rob, who's spending her off season in Minnesota rehabbing and, and getting ready to take over the reins for the Minnesota Lynx. Um, to that point, it's the start of free agency for the WNBA, if you haven't heard. Also, we had a major announcement. The Women's Basketball Hall of Fame announced their finalists for the 2019 class, and that would mm-hmm. include two of my dear friends and Ruth Riley and Tisha Pinachero. Um, But that is going to be exciting to watch um, and, and see who is picked. I mean, there were some great names on that list, Tarika, and I'm trying to – let me see. I know Norland Finch was on that list. Uh, let's see. We're, we're going to get the list for you because we know y'all weren't paying attention. You know, we know you're busy on the weekend. We got you. Don't worry about it. Um, the finalists in that group, Beth Bass – former um, CEO of the WBCA, Debbie Brock, Joan Cronin, longtime administrator at, at Tennessee. Uh, again, Norlin Finch, um, Lucille Cavallos. I don't hope I'm not saying that wrong, but I probably am. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tisha Pinatero, Ruth Riley, Carolyn Bush, Roddy, Paul Sanderford, who had a major impact on the career of one Jeff Walls, who we've talked about. Bob Schneider, Valerie Still, Amy Tucker. Um Longtime assistant for the Stanford Cardinal. So congratulations to those folks. That's happening. The winners uh, will be announced on February 4th. Maori Davenport finally played in the game, Tarika. And did. Finally. I mean, it um, only took 20 years. In case. I'm, yeah. It I'm did being funny. Years. But in case you <laughs> haven't been paying attention, it's the case of uh, Maori Davenport, who is a Rutgers commit who was in her senior year in high school in the state of Alabama, who has ruled her ineligible because of a mistake made by USA Basketball. Um, they gave her a little bit too much money on her stipend. And uh, even though she returned it, as soon as the mistake was recognized, uh, Alabama schools are not doing the right thing. They ruled her ineligible, and um, she was able to just play in her first game. But from what I understand... She was able to do that because of some legislative injunction. Um, yeah, they're going through some form of a uh, sort of like an appeal process. If you want to uh, liken it to that, that would allow her to play during that during that time. Yeah. So it's not over. I mean, she's playing right now, but we don't know how long that's going to last. So um, but we are happy that she got back on the court. I think she had like 25 points. She's handled herself so well, like her and her mom. And I said this on Twitter, like my mother would have been. Let me tell you this. My mother would not have been able to appear on Good Morning America okay? at all because <laughs> she would have been my mother. Like my mom, when I got my letter of intent, this woman had a magnifying glass. OK, she wanted to make sure she understood everything in that letter of intent. She had twenty five hundred questions. Like the woman, she, yeah, no, uh, shout out to just Maori, and I hope I'm saying her name right, her family, because uh, they've been a class act, and I don't know if my family would be able to handle it. Um, <laughs> that's that. Tarika, is Jada going to make the team? What's Jada the, what's made the team, Woo! guys. Jada made the basketball Jada team. Jada made the basketball team. And to uh, LaChina's happiness, she is going to be a post player. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. That means I get to talk to her about some things, not you. Oh, I know. Thank you. Right. Okay. So, That's my area of expertise. She's exactly excited. Not, she's excited. Her first game is going to be on the 23rd, guys. Oh, so congratulations, Jada. Tarika's daughter made the basketball team. Yes. 
I'm excited. Yay. I'm that parent and she knows it. So she's, yeah. she's prepared. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just don't have to, don't, don't let anybody tweet me any videos of getting Carrie <laughs> like, out of the gym. I don't, I can't have that. Hashtag right your producer is wilding. Yeah. No. We ain't doing that. Okay. Calm down. Calm down. Um, all right, fans. So with that, we're going to go ahead and jump into the show. We hope you love our Big Ten roundtable. Um, with Blake and Lisa and Shelly and also enjoy Danielle Robinson as she catches us up on what's happening in Minnesota, her time with the Lynx, and also some of the challenges of overcoming injury, which has been a big part of, of her story to date, but one of my favorite people. Um, so, yeah, we hope you enjoy the show. Well, our big Monday game featured Iowa against Minnesota with the Hawkeyes walking away with a win, but it just started a lot of questions about what in the world is happening in the Big Ten. They are obviously more talented than they have been in recent years as they have won some big games outside of conference and caught the national attention. But now that they're in league play, it's anybody's ball game. And the depth is looking real, or is it? Well, I wanted to bring in three people that I, I highly respect and get their opinions on what's happening in the Big Ten, starting off with Lisa Byington, who um, you probably remember Lisa and I calling – Big East games together as the Boo Crew, but Lisa does a little bit of everything. She is a play-by-play for uh, college football, actually, one of the few women that are uh, have the opportunity to do that. And she's also obviously a play-by-play for basketball, um, mostly Big Ten and Big East women's college basketball. Um, she also calls games for the Chicago Sky, uh, the WNBA team, alongside Stephen Bardo. Uh, but Lisa's also a sideline reporter for the NFL uh, and also Big East men's hoops. And I probably didn't get everything in, but um, she hooped at Northwestern. So we'll have Lisa Byington on as one of our Big Ten experts. And then we also have Blake Dudonis, who's a current broadcaster for the SEC Network, national evaluator for Blue Star Basketball, former women's basketball college, women's college basketball coach at Merrimack Garner Webb University, the university at Buffalo, um, but Blake also, and more, most importantly, has a podcast called The Jump Around with Blake Dudonis, which is fantastic. Make sure you check it out. Last but not least, one of my good friends, Shelly Till, who um, is an analyst for the Big Ten. Um, she is a graduate of University of Northern Iowa. Her daughter actually played uh, for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Um, she's been a coach, had several stints actually, as a coach, an assistant basketball coach at Bradley, a head basketball coach at the University of Wisconsin, Platteville. Um, and, and Shelly also has her own company as a keynote speaker, um, where she travels and speaks to student athletes and at different colleges, and universities. But, um, she's going to be our Big Ten analyst on this podcast. Um, so I am excited right now to have this Big Ten conference conversation with our roundtable. All of the Big Ten experts, at least they are going to be for this show. So, guys, let's just start with what is going on in the Big Ten. OK, and I know that's a broad question, but, um, you know, we come into the season. Obviously, we get a glimpse at Maryland early. and We're like, OK, Maryland's good. And then Michigan State starts rolling and we're like, OK, Michigan State beats Oregon. They're obviously going to be, you know, a great team. And then we go move on to Minnesota, who I think started 12 and 0. Um, well, as of right now, none of that is panning out other than the fact that Maryland is number two in the conference to Rutgers of all people, who is number one at five and 0. I, I just can't figure this league out. I mean, when you look at the rankings, um, you know, Indiana was there for like a stint. Um, Michigan's beat up on some people. I, I don't even know where to start. Please, please. Is the league just that good or is it inconsistent or what exactly is happening right now? <laughs> I'm laughing because it's, it's, I agree with you, Latina. It's um, highly uh, multiple personalities going on in this conference at the moment. Wouldn't you agree, Lisa and Blake? Yeah, you know, I think, um, but I think you also have to go back to just, just how this year began and and it didn't I think it's remarkable in the fact that it didn't begin that way like everyone looked at it as a two-horse race between Iowa and Maryland when you looked at all the preseason polls those were only the two teams that were being talked about from the Big Ten and and I really think that the stage was set with a really good non-conference season you look at at some of the wins that the Big Ten had Michigan State beat Oregon Northwestern beat Duke Maryland went into South Carolina and won 
Michigan over Missouri, Purdue over Miami, Minnesota over Syracuse, um, Indiana over UCLA, though not ranked. It's, it's always tough to win at UCLA. And so I think the non-conference kind of set the table and, and got people's attention. But um, it's uh, this is really getting tested in terms of um, I'm looking at, I had to write down maybe like my, my five favorite teams here so far, and I was going five deep, and then I was like legitimately thinking of like a sixth or a seventh or eighth <laughs> team that could possibly win the conference. It's ridiculous. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Lisa, to your point, you know, I think because they did so well, they fared so well in the non conference, you know, it, coming into league play, we're like, okay, Minnesota, they're going to be legit. Well, they've lost four in a row. Or, you know, like teams that we thought Iowa, like, I'll be honest with you. I saw Iowa in the Bahamas and I was like, nah, they're all right. You know, but then you see them playing well, but they've got two losses in, in conference in league play. Um, I'm just curious and, and Blake, you know, maybe you can speak to this. Um, are these kind of teams that are on the periphery, like an in Indiana or uh, a Michigan, like, Ohio State, you know, will pop up with a win you don't expect them to get. Like, are these teams legit in terms of being contenders in the Big Ten, or are they just having successful moments? It's a great question. I think I still think Maryland is the most talented team as far as you just looking at what they've got. But I just think the gap, and this to answer both questions, I just think the gap between who is at number one, let's say it's Maryland, and let's look at Illinois. I just think the gap in between those are so close that it it could be it could be Iowa finishing second or Iowa could finish in eighth and it wouldn't surprise and you know and, and fill in your team. Minnesota could finish in third or they could finish in ninth or Michigan State could finish in third or could finish in ninth. And it just I don't know. I know that's a I'm supposed to be like a gas bag and probably like spout off and say Indiana's for real or not for real. But I just think the talent is so close for all these middle teams that it just depends, and if you know, if one game goes wrong, these one game samples, you know, you know how it is. Like Minnesota, like you said, lost four in a row. If they beat Illinois, they're two and two, and they're sitting at fifth or sixth place. So it's just the margins are so small, and I just think with this this year's in the Big Ten, it's just it's tiny. And when you look at the rankings, and, and Shelly, I want to come to you on Iowa in a moment, but you know, Indiana did sneak back in at twenty five. Uh, Minnesota's at 23, Iowa's at 22, Rutgers is at 20, Michigan State's at 17. I mean, rankings-wise, Maryland's at 9. I mean, after a few very disappointing showings, I would say, by the Big Ten, um, you know, it, not only in terms of how many teams they were getting into the into the NCAA tournament, but how they were faring, it looks like these teams could be amongst the nation's best, but – we could also be coming around to say, well, they beat up on each other so bad in conference, no one really separated themselves. By the time it's time to get to NCAA tournament conversations and seeding, we don't know where to put them, which could cause some teams to, to miss out. And in Iowa, um, Shelly, in my opinion, um, again, when I saw them in the Bahamas, I was like, yeah, you know, I mean, I understand they're healthy now. Um, you know, I think Megan Gustafson, I mean, God, do we even have to, to go there as far as how good she is? I mean, the country got to see her last night. But how would you stack up this year's Iowa teams with teams we've seen before, successful Iowa teams? Like, are they really that much better? The numbers, the rankings, all of that would indicate so. Right, yeah, and I'm, that's a great question. And I look back just a few years ago to that Iowa team. Um, the year Sam Logic was a point guard se- her senior year that made it to the Sweet 16. Um, I think they have a lot of similarities. Um, actually, I think that this team this year has better guard play across the board. They have more depth at the guard position, in my opinion. They have, as you already mentioned, Megan Gustafson. They, she's just dominant. She's She's beyond the best player that's ever played at Iowa. So I think when they're clicking, and, and we talked about this um, in studio yesterday, that that when the guards are clicking for Iowa, that's their X factor. Obviously, Gustafson is going to be Gustafson every single night. You're going to get those double-double double, double numbers out of her. But they've got a good, solid point guard in Kathleen Doyle. Um, she can be a little bit inconsistent at times, and that kind of maybe what's shaky sometimes about this Iowa team, but the insertion of Tania Davis, she's healthy now. She put on a show last night against uh, Minnesota. 
Um, she makes Doyle better. She makes everybody around her better. And you've got three-point shooting. She obviously can shoot the three, but then with the addition of Meyer and Civilian, um, when those two are on three-point and their three-point shot is falling, this is the best Iowa team I've seen maybe in a long, very long time back to the Vivian Stringer days. Really? That's a bold statement there. Better than the Sam Logic teams, huh? I, yeah, I, I think, like I said, I just think they have more depth at that guard position. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. Gustafson makes them even better because she's by far better than any post player that, yeah. that has played. And, and, and don't, that's no disrespect to any of the other post players. I mean, uh, Bethany Doolittle was the senior post player um, with that group when they went to the Sweet 16. And, and she was a great, solid, reliable post player, but mm-hmm. she was not dominant like Megan Gustafson is. Yeah. Um, and I love Tanai Davis. I mean, 5'3", she just has a fire to her. You don't mm-hmm. see a lot of Iowa players, at least I haven't, that just have that that grit, that fire. Like, you know, they're very well coached. I mean, Lisa Bluter is one of my favorites, okay? She coaches the mental game. Anybody that coaches the mental game, I'm all there with you. Like, she does a great job with her teams, but they usually are very fundamentally sound. But Tanaya just has something different, Um you know, in terms of how she plays the game, that brings a spark that I think is is just fantastic, and it fits there so well, gets them over the hump. I think sometimes, but I think that is a that's interesting that you think that's the, that this could be the best Iowa team since the Vivian Stringer days. Um, I, I wanted to move um, over to talk about Minnesota because you know they started, and I'm going to spare Blake on this because. We want him to get along with wife at night. Um, but, <laughs> uh, Minnesota had a great start. You know, it, everyone's like, wow, Lindsey Wayland's doing that great. You know, they did have a ranked win over Syracuse, but they've won, they've lost four in a row. Lisa, I don't, you know, is it just maybe that non-conference hype and that the conference play is that hard? But what are you making of what, where Minnesota is right now? Get rid of that head coach, man. She doesn't know any basketball at all. <laughs> she doesn't, does she? <laughs> She's got to go. I love Lindsay Whalen, so I just like to give her a hard time. Now, you know, here was my concern about Minnesota uh, when they started out 12-0 and 0, is I just always questioned were they tested enough in the non-conference to learn enough about themselves. And in my opinion, they played – a less than challenging non-conference schedule, and that was already set up by the team and, and not the new coaching staff. But um, I really only felt like they got tested with a ranked Syracuse team. And so I really didn't even know what to expect from Minnesota. I, and rightfully so, everyone, I think, was excited about the Gophers for all the right reasons. The Lindsey Whalen factor, the fact that they have some of the most exciting players in the conference when you start with Kenesha Bell. Um, so all of those right reasons, um, you know, I, I don't fault anyone for, for, for hopping on the Minnesota bandwagon. However, I just had questions about it. And, and here's the deal. I, I just don't think they have much of a defensive identity yet. Um, we all know that Marlene Stallings um, was not a man-to-man um, defense. And so they just, they primarily, they all, all they did was play zone. And so now you have Lindsey Whalen coming in who's shifting that defensive mentality and those defensive philosophies, and, and you're not going to see instant success in that, in my opinion. Um, I, I think you saw it in the game against Iowa and the fact that they, they switched from man-to-man to zone. They struggled in zone a lot in the third quarter against Iowa, and that was part of their downfall. Um, so they just have to really kind of learn her defensive system, I think, first. Because offensively, I just don't see their production changing much. We know about Kanisha Bell, Destiny Pitts. Uh, Ty Bello is having a fantastic year for her. So offensively, I think they're solid. Um, the difference maker for Minnesota, in my opinion, is going to be defense. Mm, and you're right about that third quarter. What was it, 24-9, to um, tilting Iowa's way. And so... Um, I always, 20 is always my mark. Really, 18 is my mark. Since we went to the four-quarter system, and I use this in, in WNBA as well, which I should probably give them a little bit more leeway because the talent level is so high. But once you get to an 18-point quarter, 20-point quarter, 
you're in trouble. So that 24 and even 23 in that first quarter, they gave up 25 points in the fourth. So 81 points total. But um, you make a really good point because we know that they can score the basketball, but can they defend? Speaking of defense, um, Susie Merchant's teams are always great defensive teams, right? Um, we have, I feel like we've seen so much of Michigan State on, on the big stage. Uh, this year, like it seems like they've been they've have been on television more than than we know them to be. Blake, um, what do you make of where the Spartans are right now, and what do you like about that team? Well, I was actually out there uh, last week and got to see them in person. Yeah, and you I were think East I, Lansing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I got to appreciate them even more in person. Seeing them, I and mean, we all watched them beat Oregon, but uh, seeing them in person, the amount of talent they have on that team is is actually kind of scary. I mean, that's a team that going forward for the next few years, that's going to be a team I think that's going to be competing for, if not winning, Big Ten championships. And you just look at some of the, the size, like a Sidney Cooks, who as a freshman came in, top five recruit, a lot of expectations, but she's really coming into her own, can step out and shoot the three, and, and her ability to do that, and then, you know, we know about Jenna Allen and, and her, you know, lack of fear in big moments, and just they just seem to be very, very balanced. Uh, even McCutcheon, a local kid for them that's playing well. They just, they're a team that has some length, uh, that they can cause some disruption on defense. Um, offensively, they're shooting the ball really well. Uh, last I looked, they're up around 40% from three. Um, so if they can find a way to stay steadily scoring 75 plus points, which they certainly are capable of, but, you look at the losses, you know, at Ohio State, they score 55, uh, Indiana 64, Northwestern 62. But anytime they get up into the mid 70s or higher, they're as good as anybody. And, and really, that's it's as the season's gone along, um, I've kind of thought to myself, man, depending on what matchups look like down the road in the NCAA tournament, that's a team I could see very easily making a, a deep run. I think Michigan State's really, really good. You know, they may be the cause of a lot of this inconsistency in my mind to be honest because we watched them beat Oregon right we watched them beat that same Iowa team we just talked about by 14 points we watched them beat um you know I mean Minnesota's taking a little stride but they're a ranked team at the time Minnesota by what 16 18 points but they lose at Northwestern at Indiana and at Ohio State like what do you do with that you know, like, and I agree with you in terms of the, of the scoring. And Susie Merchant seems to have never been, okay, just the offensive guru. But they scored 91 against Virginia, um, 102 against Oakland, um, 91 against Texas Southern. I mean, I'm not saying these are the best teams ever. 99 against Bowling Green. Um, so maybe that speaks to the defense of the conference. So just two more teams I'm, I'm curious about that I wanted to get you guys take on. And well, well, I'll say one team that has really, I, they're in my top 25 poll. Um, Blake, I know you do a top 25 and Rutgers to me deserves more respect than they're getting right now. Um, mm-hmm. why aren't they getting that respect? What, what, what's happening? Like, why isn't it? It's it's mind-boggling to me that this team is not, um, you know, one that's, in my opinion, once they beat Maryland, how do you not put them into the rankings? What is their one loss? Drake, I think. Is that right? They lost to Gonzaga and VTech. Virginia Tech, yeah. Drake, and Gonzaga are their losses. Uh, okay. Well, still not terrible losses, but I no, think they're, they're in the top 25. That was without their point guard, though. Those three losses were without C.C. Uh, Cryer. So they're 5-3 well, and three without her. Which mm-hmm. should be no considered. Winter. Right. Yeah. So, so why not? Absolutely. Why aren't people giving them but, more respect? You know what? I think, uh, LaChina, they're gonna, they've got three huge games coming up here. The next three in a row for them, they've got Purdue, then Michigan State, and then they are at Iowa. So it, my guess is it looks to me, you're right, when they they won at Maryland, that was their second game of the conference. But then they had Penn State, Illinois, Nebraska after that. So I'm sure it's it, it was just a product of the competition at the time. But the fact that, you know, they haven't been beat in the conference in the league yet, and um, they make their debut at 20, so it, but they will solidify that, I believe, in the in these next three games. Well, yeah. I, I, go ahead, Boo. 
I was going to say, I agree with that. And the fact that um, maybe they're not being taken seriously. And the fact that Rutgers has kind of been in this position before, even last year, they were mm-hmm. ranked, um, it, you know, people thought that, uh, you know, Rutgers is for real. And then they just didn't finish down the stretch to maintain that ranking and make the NCAAs. And that is something that is actually being talked about within the team this year, is that you have to determine mm-hmm. your own destiny attitude. And so until they they prove that they have consistency and and not just the one good win here and there, um, but they start winning consistently in January and February leading into March, then I think people believe that that Rutgers can be back in the old season ways. Yeah, I I just I guess for me and you're right. Okay, so we look at the loss to Drake, the loss to Gonzaga, which to me are are good teams. Virginia Tech at that time, it wasn't a bad loss, but Virginia Tech has definitely taken the slide. And I will have to be one that says I had them in my top 25 for a while and they have been unimpressive in ACC play. But no one wins at Maryland. No one wins at Maryland. Right. And you definitely don't win <laughs> 73 to 65 and dominate them the way they did practically the whole game. Like that's respect. You know, and I, and I just feel like they're not I'm getting sorry, it. I wonder, and Shelly, Lisa, you guys feel free to agree or disagree, but I wonder if some of it isn't because, look, they they play kind of ugly. I mean, they're averaging 64 games. They're one of the slowest teams as far as pace goes in the entire country. Uh, in fact, I think they only play uh, faster than five other teams in, in the entire country. So, like you turn, I, I turned on the game when they played uh, against Northwestern at the end of December, and they won forty-five, forty-one. And you just go, "Oof, geez!" Like that's, it's not something that necessarily is appealing to watch those low-scoring games. But I just wonder if that has something to do with it. And I'm, that's not a knock on them. That is them saying, "Hey, we're going to limit the number of possessions, and we're going to score more on ours mm-hmm. than yours." But uh, I just wonder if people just kind of tune them out because they think, "Ah, oh, that's," uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's part of it or not. Oh, I think it's totally part of it. I do, because yeah. I see it happen with Harry Peretta. Lisa, you and I have seen this as well. Like, Villanova right. is great at what they do, right? But they slow the ball down. They're going to dribble all yeah. the air out of the yeah. basketball. They want a low-possession game. But if you're winning games, you're winning games. You know, if you make, right. a, if you win a big, right. to me, I love defense. Like, I'm, I'm not opposed to teams that, I mean, we saw what defense did to UConn, Baylor. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. like yeah. doesn't Absolutely. have to be the prettiest Absolutely. showing, and I, I don't. I, I agree with you that I absolutely. That's a great point. I think it happens, but it shouldn't. But you know, Rutgers, no, you're right. Uh, I, I here's one other thing to to point out with this Rutgers team is, and I agree with you, Lisa. The the start of their season last season, everybody was like, "Whoa, where'd this come from?" The difference between then and now is they have a three point threat. They're shooting forty percent from the three point line in league play. They got four they players have, that are shooting over thirty three percent or better. They've never had that. In right. fact, it was pretty funny listening to Vivian uh, in her post game interview. She said, "You know, she made a comment about all these other coaches in the league who have had consistent three point shooters." She said, "That's a luxury." She's she's like a kid in a candy store with outside shooters this year. <laughs> right. And one well, of the reasons they beat Maryland is because they hit nine threes. So to, to Blake's point, right. yes, they still win games by playing in the 40s, but they scored 70-something points, 73 against uh, Maryland. So they can also, they win games in the 40s, but now the difference this year is they're winning games in the 70s as well. Well, They're in in first place. They're 5-0. They've won eight games in a row, to be noted. Maryland is second at at 4-1. Now, uh, I don't know, a few teams just quickly, and anybody that wants to touch on any one of these that we didn't get to talk about in depth, but Indiana's four and one. Purdue is four and one. They're the third and fourth teams in the, and I know schedule has a lot to do with this, who you've played and all that kind of stuff. But right now, mm-hmm. um, that's where they are in the standings. And then Michigan, um, is two and three. Northwestern, Lisa, your alma mater is, is two and three. Um, any of those teams stand out to you as, as true contenders or, or do they, you know, they just are kind of riding that wave of Big Ten inconsistency? I, I, you know, when I was kind of looking at the list, um, out of those teams that you just mentioned, I think Indiana and Purdue um, probably have the best chance of maintaining kind of the top four in the Big Ten. And um, I just like, you know, starting with Indiana, I just, I just like, I just like their story. You know, there's, you think about, there's not a lot of history with them, and they've been ranked for just the sixth week in program history, like. 
think about that. Like that's not even the sixth week of the season, the sixth week of the existence <laughs> of Indiana women's basketball. And so that's what Terry Morin has kind of had to fight with a little mm. bit. And, and not only do you lose all Big Ten players and Tyler Buss and Amanda Cahill, but now you, you add some transfers and Allie Patberg and Brenna Wise, and you basically kind of insert them in Buss's place and Cahill's place, and now you have the one-two scores for Indiana. I mean, I just I like their story. I like their chemistry. I like the fact that they won the WNIT last year, that they're drawing attendance now, uh, and, and they just built on that momentum. So um, I just really like the Hoosiers, and I, I think they really can sustain this um, until March. Yeah, that win against Michigan State, I think, definitely caught everyone's attention. I mean, their their losses are bad losses. Like, they lost to Grambling State. I mean, an Ohio State, which, you know, you can throw them in there with everybody else in terms of what's going on. But, um, <laughs> you know, they, they – anytime you beat a ranked team, people are like, oh, okay. And, you know, they went much of their non-conference being undefeated despite that, you know, Grambling State on December 20th. Those are the losses. You're like, Wow. Um, anybody else in that group or anyone else stand out to you guys? Um, I like Purdue. Um, I, I've seen them play a couple times. I, I just called them with Northwestern. Now, granted, they have no depth. They've played five league games, and two of those games they had zero bench points. So if they have any issues at all with any kind of injury or illness or anything like that, that to me takes them out of out of the running. But you know, I compared Sharon uh, Versa to the Tom Izzo of the women's side of basketball. Um, I think she consistently has her team playing at their peak in po- as we uh, approach postseason play. And they're showing that very early already in the season um, to me. And, uh, you know, they've, they've got good wins. They, they beat Ohio State. They beat uh, Iowa and got them, took them completely out of the game, only allowed them to score 57 points. So, you know, she's always hung, Purdue has always hung their hat on defense. And um, like you said, LaChina, you know, good defensive teams take you out of your rhythm. That's how, how uh, Baylor beats UConn. But um, they've got some really good pieces. You know, Dominique Odin and Teresa McLaughlin are two of the best offensive players in the league. Ariana Harris, you guys, if you, oh, if you haven't seen her, she is incredible inside. Great athlete. She is I just, mean, Root strength, absolutely, yeah. and a and a shot blocker. She's averaging over six blocks a game in the league. And then what I really like about this team, they have a great addition with with Kay on the trailer, the freshman. But this, uh, Tamara Farquhar, the sophomore, has really stepped it up for them in uh, the Big Ten, and she had 18 boards against Northwestern. So this is a Purdue team that, you know, even if they're not scoring, they're not a huge high scoring team, but they will own you in the paint. They will own you on the boards, and they will they will defend you and make you earn everything you get. All right, basketball fans, stay right where you are because we have more from our experts um, on our Big Ten Roundtable coming up right after this. And we also will close the show with none other than Danielle Robinson, D-Rob, former Oklahoma great, um, now taking over the reins as the point guard with the Minnesota Lynx. So stay where you are and don't forget, you can subscribe to our podcast wherever you get podcasts, hopefully the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, wherever it is, just search Around the Rim so you can be the first to get it. You can email us if you have questions, comments, concerns at Around the Rim Podcast at gmail.com. Our Twitter handle is at Around the Rim Pod. You can find me at LaChina Robinson or Tarika at She Knows Sports underscore. Stay right where you are. More show coming to you after this. So I want to just um, change gears in our last little segment here um, and talk about specific players in the league that you think people should know. And not that everyone doesn't already know Megan Gustafson, um, but Blake, after we listen to this this clip, I would love to get your thoughts on her in terms of what you think her WNBA um, stock could be. Um, but let's first uh, hear a clip from last night's broadcast. First time Iowa and Minnesota have faced off against one another as ranked opponents. Give some love to the bigs, Rebecca, because I thought early on that this game was going to be Megan Gustafson. Started off hot, cooled off significantly in that second quarter. Well, she was outstanding in the first quarter. Nothing excites a back-to-the-basket post player more than when she has single coverage. And that's what Megan Gustafson saw for the first half of the first quarter. She is going to score on, it doesn't matter how good the defender is and how tough they're playing, she's got the moves inside, quickly gets her eyes on the rim. She's got quick moves to turn and score over either shoulder. She's got the up and under move. She 
uh, Minnesota couldn't do anything with her on second coverage, uh, with single coverage. So, Coach, what'd they do? Well, Lindsey Whalen called a timeout and said, we can't guard her one-on-one. Rebecca's right. <laughs> We're going to have to go some zone. I thought that changed the tempo of the basketball game. What the zone does is it keeps people in places where they can rotate down and double. And even when they weren't doing that, they were interfering with Gustafson and her ability to score off the block. So um, I'm going to start calling Rebecca Rebecca the way that um, Coach Landers does. But um, I also just realized that I've been saying Gustafson wrong because it sounded like they had a little Gustafson. I don't know what y'all can correct me. But anyway, uh, that was John Brickley, Rebecca Lobo, and uh, the coach Andy Landers in studio. Uh, I mean, Come on, 16 for 22 from the field in 38 minutes. She had 34 points and 13 rebounds. That zone was fine for the moment, but proved to be uh, nada. Um, she also had three blocks. You guys know I love a left-handed player, team lefty in the building. But, Blake, um, <laughs> what do you think about her WNBA-wise, Blake? Well, she's certainly shooting up draft boards. I, I said this last night, but what makes her so good is that she is legitimately the most patient post player I can recall seeing in the past seven, eight, nine years. I mean, she she doesn't turn the ball over, which is actually remarkable. She's legitimately in the top five as far as not turning the ball over in the country. And their offense is very clearly let her touch the ball, and then if she dictates it, comes back out, then you can shoot it. And she just doesn't she doesn't put it on the floor without a purpose. Um, she you know when she dribbles, it is not to figure out something. It is to I'm dribbling right so I can go up and under back to my left hand, or I'm dribbling left because I've got a player drifting to the corner and I'm going to hit her for an open shot. So when you talk about her her WNBA prospects, I think she's one of those sneaky players that if you get her early second round, I know, I, and really she is you know, jumping into first round consideration, but if you get her at the end of the first or the early second, She's a player that I, I think you just look up and her rookie year is going to do something, nothing crazy, but maybe like a Maisha Hines-Allen did last year for Washington out of Louisville. Not not someone that maybe everyone thought would make a big impact. And then, you know, once the season's going, you're going, oh, wow, she's she's doing some really nice things. So she's a player that legitimately coming into the season, if I'm being honest, I wasn't very high on as far as the next level. But the more you watch her, I just don't know how you can't be convinced that she she'll just find a way to make an impact at the next level. Yeah, I'm slow to come around on her. Um, I, I just I've seen so many, and not to make not to say that these players are all the same, but I think about Ruth Hamlin, or I think about Marie Gulich. Um, you know, some of the post players, big size, fundamentally strong, we've seen come in the last few years, and what has happened to them, right? Now, not to say, I mean, sure. we all know that when you go overseas. You know, and you have experience. It's hard in WNBA. It's hard, okay, when you're when you're mm-hmm. facing Liz Cambage at the five or Sylvia Fowles at the five or Brittany Grider at the five. Like, let's be honest, that's a tough place to kind of try to make your entry in the league, right? Um, I I I just I struggle right now to evaluate college post players in terms of their impact in WNBA because they have not had it. They have not had one. You know, like name me yeah. the last, you know, I mean, Carolyn Swords, give her credit because she has stayed around. You know, she's not the fastest big or whatever, but she has found a way. I know Lambeer loves her and she's had some injury issues. But, you know, when you think about those bigs like that, it's like who was the last one to really crack the lineup, um, you know, or even become a significant part off the pine. So and I, and I know I'm probably overlooking some people, but those are the names that come to mind when I think about. Uh, Megan Gustafson, but I love her. I mean, I think she's amazing. And I would love more than anybody if she can get into the league and have a low block presence because I love post players. Okay. Um, Lisa and, and Shelly, either one of you, just a, one player from the Big Ten that you think people need to, need to know? Uh, what, my favorite player is, uh, Palace Kunai Akpana from Northwestern. And, mm. and I think that she, if you haven't heard her name, um, I, I think I just like to say her name now because yeah, was I was going to say well, that was good. We've got to say it you got it down. Years now, we've, yeah, we've got good at it. Um, no, but in all seriousness, um, I compare her to uh, on the court now. I compare her to a Dennis Rodman type player. Um, I really think when when you talk about WNBA potential, I actually really think that even though she might be undersized, I think she is a pro, and and really maybe as exciting of a player to watch off the ball or as a non-scorer as you'll find. 
Mm. Uh, she averages a double-double. She's got eight this year, 29 in her career. Uh, she makes regular plays um, look spectacular. And, uh, you know, uh, Shelly and I did this game, the Northwestern Illinois game, and, and we frankly had to use a couple of her highlights where she didn't even <laughs> score. She saved the ball in between her legs, throwing it behind her. Uh, she had a basket interference call that was spectacular that we replayed it just because of her basket interference call where she, she leaped up and grabbed the rim and slapped the backboard. I mean, Dang. her athleticism is off the charts. And so do yourself a favor, women's basketball fans, and try to check out Palace Kunayakpana. Okay. That's that. Yeah, Listen, about to go yeah. get on that now. Um, Shelly, yeah, were she's you? She's crazy athletic. Would you back that up? Is that your player too? Or you got somebody else? Yeah, I, I love her. I love her, but I'm going to stick with in, in the post uh, situation because I played with my back to the basket in college, so we have to stick together, right? Whoop, whoop. Um, but I think, and I mentioned her already, I love the way Ariana Harris plays the game from Purdue. Uh, I loved her when she stepped on the floor as a freshman. She was one of those players that you could tell she was just a raw talent athletically. And once she got more experience and understood the game, um, she was going to make a name for herself. And I think she has grown. She's matured. She's even more, even stronger than she was when she came in as a freshman. She's she's also a kid that can grab the rim. She can get up. Uh, she could cause you all kinds of problems. And I just think because of her ability, her length, her quickness, she's so quick to the ball. I mean, I I saw her. She's a lot of three-point shooters. So she's not just camping out in the paint. She, she can come out and, and stretch uh, defensively for Purdue. So uh, I, I love the way she plays the game. Her offensive game hasn't caught up to her defensive game. And, and if she continues to work at that, she's, she's pretty special. Mm, yeah, I love her game. A tremendous athlete. Can I add one more person, and let's just out-circle the post theme. Uh, I, my favorite player to watch in the league is Nas Hillman from Michigan. I mm. think she is a future potential Big Ten player of the year. I mean, she is uh, – this is a very technical term, but she is a problem, okay? Like, she <laughs> is ridiculous. She plays at the top of that press for Michigan. I just – I think Nas Hillman is – so much fun to watch, and I think she is going to just be a real issue for her entire career. Mm, okay. Looks like we are in, – and this is – I have not seen Michigan play. She post? You yeah, said? she's a post player. She's a freshman. She's 6'2", 6'3", uh, get out of Ohio. I just – I think she's she's got that thing where you're like, okay, yeah, you're, yeah. you get it. She's got the it factor. Yes. Yeah. Well, she can play all all over. She doesn't just have to stay in the post either. She she changes sure. things for them. You're right, Blake. Defensively, she can play all five positions. Well, we will keep our eyes on what's happening in the Big Ten because we don't know what's going to happen in the Big Ten. Um, but we thank you guys <laughs> for your coverage and your time. Now, Blake, um, your Jump Around podcast is fantastic. Um, you have interviewed any – I mean, it seems like I don't know anybody that you haven't interviewed – and those are the stories we need to, to circulate in our game. Give fans an idea of where they can get your podcast. Where can they follow you? What do you What are you up to? What do you want them to connect with you? Give the fans all of that so that um, you know they can keep up with you. Well, I I certainly appreciate you you saying that and giving me that. Um, yeah, uh, the Jump Around with Blake Giannis is the name of my podcast. Uh, it's on iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, pretty much wherever you get your podcast. Uh, I'm on Twitter, and my handle is just my name, so Blake Giannis. You can find it there. I uh, just had a new uh, episode drop this morning with uh, Northeastern's head coach. Um, they're a top 25 mid-major team. And, yeah, I pretty much just talked to head coaches from, I mean, from Don Staley all the way down to I had North Alabama's head coach, Misty Tiber, on when they were undefeated. Uh, pretty much anyone. And we just – it's a lot more about who these these figureheads are. You know, we see these coaches on the sideline. We, we know about their teams, but – get into a little bit of who they are and why they are and how they got there. So uh, if people want to check it out, uh, it's available. It's available there. So I appreciate you. Uh, let me plug that a little bit. Oh, for sure. And please give our love to Carly uh, Tebow Dudonis um, because we love her. Okay. A little bit more than you, but you're, you're moving up the charts. Um, yeah, and then, Lisa, please tell us where we can find you. <laughs> it's pretty simple. Just my name. I'm on Twitter. 
um, on Instagram. Those are the social mediums that I use the most. So it's just um, Lisa Byington. You can find me there, and um, we can we can go back and forth, talk a little hoops if you want. Yeah, Lisa's the best. We we used to have a boo, a boo crew, but we. You know, I've I've gotten questions about the boot crew. I just tell people, you know, right now the boot crew's been put on hold for a little bit. <laughs> We're separated. We have not We're yet the like new podcast. I know. <laughs> We're recently <laughs> separated. Okay, that's all you guys need to know. Um, thanks, Lisa and Shelly. Give us yes, your details. I I too am on, as my mom calls it. You'll appreciate this, Latrina. The Twitter, the Twitter, and the Instagram. Yes, yes, yes. the Twitter. <laughs> My God. Uh, and it's just at Shelly Till. It's uh, Shelly, S-H-E-L-L-E-Y. She is in time, I-L-L. Well, we know how important it is, um, not just in you guys cover a lot more than just the Big Ten, but to have people that are plugged in and knowledgeable and passionate. And, and you three have been three of the most consistent when it comes to covering our game. And um, we appreciate you on, on behalf of the fans, because I'm also a fan. Um, thank you for everything you guys are doing and, uh, we'll have you back on probably like, if not before, definitely before the tournament so we can figure out where this Big Ten thing is going to shake up. Cause I don't know. You're going to have some fun. Cause this Let's is getting kinda, ready Can to I break the rule? I know you're signing off, but can I break the rule? Oh, and break the rules. It, t- it took me this rules. long to come up with this. I think the reason that we can't figure out the Big Ten is it's a league of newcomers and new faces. I mean, think of, like, some of the people that we've highlighted. Uh, regardless of, like, Iowa, who's who's a, kind of a veteran-laden team, mm-hmm. um, think about it. Minnesota's led by a first-year head coach. Think of, like, the freshmen that um, are starting at point guard for some of these teams. And, and you think about a Rutgers. they got three freshmen and three grad transfers. So all across the board with some of the, some of the new teams, you either have freshmen or transfers that are new to the league. And so I think that adds a little bit to the unpredictability. How's that? You know what? It takes a Northwestern graduate to get us all, to pull us all together <laughs> in the end. This is the way Broadcast Lisa makes professional. Right. This is the way Lisa job, makes sense of my life. Yeah, and and this, once again. Right. And this is what she does for me on a broadcast. When I start getting all over the place, Lisa's like, so what you're saying is we, we really she tries to bring me down. Yeah. <laughs> she tries I, to... <laughs> I just put my hand over Latina's mouth and I'll say I got this. Yeah. Like when I'm like I putting my... the other end of that reel. Like when I'm when I'm putting my head on the desk because I can't make a sense of what's going on, she always brings me back. Well, boo, it's not that bad. I mean, take a look at this. And I'm like, okay, you're right. So that's actually a very good point um, because some of the people you guys have talked about and I'm very early in getting into watching games as far as conference season. Um, I, I haven't seen a lot of these, some of these freshmen I haven't seen. So um, I'm excited mm-hmm. about it and I will be watching you guys. Thank you so much for your time. Come back anytime you want. If there's a topic you want to talk about, email Tarika. She'll take forever to get back to you, but she'll eventually get back the to lies. you. The lies. I'm just kidding. Tarika. I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Tarika actually checks all the emails. I'm the one who's like, uh, just let me know if there's something I need. <laughs> I love you, Tarika. Thanks, guys. That's it. We appreciate your time. And uh Big Ten, we're out. Basketball fans, we are um, excited to have one of my favorite, favorite, favorite people, um, not just favorite players, but favorite people in all of women's basketball because she was my favorite when she was at Oklahoma. She was my favorite when she was in San Antonio. She's my favorite in Minnesota. <laughs> um, that stint in Phoenix, yes, she was my favorite there as well. Please join me in welcoming none other than Danielle Robinson to the show. Welcome, Danielle. <laughs> Thank you. I am um, I'm honored to be here. Uh, like you said, you know, it's it's been an honor to know you and see that all that you've done for the game. So um, I'm I'm happy to be here to talk. Oh, look at you acting like a grown up. This is gonna be. Oh fun. my god. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, we have like just in the strangest way had this bond for a long time. So um, we don't just share a last name, but um, we actually do get along pretty well. Um, so. Exactly. You've been busy. I mean, every time I look at the Minnesota Lynx PR or their actual, like, team handle, it's like Danielle Robinson is here and she's there. (laughs) Oh, yeah, she's over there as well. Um, Give the fans a little insight into what you've been up to. Yeah, well, I've been up to uh, doing a lot of things out here in in Minneapolis. So, you know, we're supported so well as um, the Lynx. You know, our fans are absolutely amazing. They show up at every single thing um, that we post, you know, BB's truck and all that's going on right now. But 
yeah, it's been an honor to be in the city um, during this time to to really give back and, you know, and, and learn about, you know, the city of Minneapolis. It's easy to come in during the summertime and, you know, just get lost in practice and going home and all those things. But now being here really gives me an opportunity to, to um, you know, indulge into the culture and to the people. So I've been doing all kinds of things from, you know, community service and I'm going to start up um, doing like winter things. So winter things that people do in Minneapolis and just making sure that, you know, our fans are felt and loved and, and supported the, the way that we are. So just all around Minneapolis um, doing anything that I can get my hands on. Man, I love the fans uh, in Minnesota. I love me in Minneapolis. Like the best part of kind of Minnesota success, at least from my end of it, is that I've gotten to visit St. Paul and Minneapolis. Like there is, there, this is probably, and I'm going to make a bold statement right now. Um, Minneapolis is probably in my top 10 cities in, in the country, like easily um, could be. Yeah. Could be I, like I think I'm learning six. that, you know, I think I'm yeah. learning that for sure. Just um, yeah. Between St. Paul and Minneapolis, like between the food here, oh. just like the people, like the Minnesota nice, thing is real it is real these are the nicest people i've ever met and and let me tell you those lakes like what what we love to do like rebecca and ryan and holly and myself and even um eileen hauser would come with us sometimes but we would just go and walk the lakes because we would be in minnesota yeah like for the finals in september and the weather is perfect right perfect Um, it's such a beautiful place so um, i'm just thinking as you're talking when you're having these experiences in the off season, because we talk a lot about transition, career transitions for WNBA players, are you thinking about, okay, this may be something I can do when I retire one day? Or um, are you thinking in that way in, in the off season? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it's crazy. I just had this talk with my mom about my heart is really, so one of the things that I do here is I work for, not work for, but I enjoy going to the Simpson house and serving food. Um, at the homeless shelter and ever since I was little, you know, with the church back at home, like we would always go probably like once a month and serve food. And it has just tugged on my heart more recently than, you know, it has before. Like, of course, as, you know, as a kid, like, you know, it's very special, but like now that I'm an adult and like really, really understand it and, and get to know since I've been back and forth to Simpson's house a couple of times, like I get to know, you know, the people that are there and hear some of their stories and all, all that. Um, my heart is really tugging on on dealing with homelessness in some form or fashion and, and really diving into the community. So at some point, you know, when my career is over, I think that's something that I definitely want to get into. Wow, that's great. You know, one thing I'm passionate about, I was actually talking to Angel McCautry about this last week, is just the, the career transition for WNBA players, right? Like, right. how do you get that experience when so many of you go overseas? Like, I feel like more players are staying home now. But so many go overseas yeah. and it's like, how do you get that shadow opportunity or how do you network with people in a field that you want to get into? Like people assume that everyone that plays wants to get into basketball in some way. Like you want to be right, right. a broadcaster <laughs> or a coach or, you know what I mean? And that's not true for everyone. So it's like, I think, and I'm hoping in the new CBA that some of that is addressed. I just think more resources have to be put into helping players find their next step in life. Um, but speaking of transition, kind of sticking with that that topic, uh, there's a transition going on uh, for you guys with the links with, you know, Lindsey Whalen retiring um, and, and you kind of stepping into that position at the point guard. And it, it's been fun to watch um, just your relationship with Cheryl, like watching you guys after a shoot around, just sitting and watching film. And I know that Waylon was was instrumental in helping you get implemented into the team and teaching you things. But now it's like, all right, it's D Rob show. Uh, right. <laughs> so, you know, with, with with Maya and Sylvia and and Simone and free agency starting. So I know we don't know, you know, everything. But what has that transition been like? I mean, coming to a team that's that's been um, a dynasty. Yeah. Well. You know, last year was a great um, stepping stone into, you know, really, you know, launching me forward into being the new start, starting point guard. I just want everybody to know that I'm not going to be Lindsay Whalen. <laughs> right. I mean, she has her own legacy and is a legend in her own way. And she's not as fast um, as I know she. that, I, you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so kidding. 
I'm going to continue to, to, to do me and be the person I am, player that I am. And like you said, I learned so much from, from Lindsay this past year. I mean, going against her even, you see the way that she leads and how they follow. And, yeah, some of that is going to transition with me and, and, you know, how to push people certain ways. I think I got to see a lot of that this season. And then, obviously, spending time with coaches off season has been great. We've watched a lot of film. Um, you know, we've walked through pick and roll things, things that I need to get better at. And I'm really just trying to get on the same page because I am the extension of her. And yeah, maybe a different relationship than what, you know, her and Waylon had. But at the end of the day, um, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're competing for the same thing. You know, we want to win. We want to win another championship. So um, it's been great. I've loved um, getting to know coach. You know, we've actually gone to some of Waylon's games together and, um, just, just continuing to grow our bond so that we can be as successful um, as we need to be. Yeah, I mean, it's exciting to me because Minnesota's never had a point guard like you, right? Like, I mean, yeah. you, you just have your own <laughs> yeah. style in general, right? But you're you're just so quick, right. your transition, your like, I, I think just that brings a unique quality and something I'm definitely interested in watching develop. But I'm just curious, you know, you spent time, I mean, you had, you came from a winning, winning culture at Oklahoma and didn't quite get there at San Antonio, but um, you, you were in Phoenix, you know, so you were around a winning culture there and now you're, you're, right. you're in Minnesota. Having spent time around players like Diana or Maya, like what is it that you've maybe noticed that you didn't notice before about being around players, um, you know, like, like that or playing beside players like that more consistently at this point in your career? Right. I think for me, it would have to be just the IQ of those players. Um, Diana is one smart basketball player. Uh, <laughs> she was like, Sandy would draw something up and literally, you know, she'd be like, okay, well, we're going to flip it this time and we're going to get this read and I guarantee you it's going to be open. Legit, it would be there. And I was like, wow. Like, you know, as a point guard, you have to think ahead, but she's like five steps ahead. And I'm just like, wow, that's amazing. And then the, the way that Maya competes and practices and um, the way she just makes everybody better by being herself, that's special. Um, and then obviously a r- very rare talent. So being able to, to get, you know, even playing with Becky Hammond, I learned – so much um mm-hmm. she actually helped me turn into a professional so i've been blessed to play with some of the greats of the game and you know still continuing that with you know moan and and phil and and the players that we have on our team now looking at the landscape especially for you and your career right one of the biggest challenges and i'm i'm, I'm just heartbroken for some of our college teams right now because they I mean, NC State, for example, has just lost their third guard of the season. Like, they lost their wow. leading score to an ACL tear. They lost their leading point guard, um, I mean, their point guard in, I think, November coming into the season. And they're still undefeated. They're the last undefeated team in the country. So it's great to see them still winning. But big challenges ahead of them. But it just, you know, I get heartbroken every time I see a player get injured because I know how much right. you love the game. Like, I don't know what I would do if what I love got taken away from me, but you have been so resilient despite the challenges of injury. How do you overcome and kind of where are you now mentally as it pertains to your physical health? And what have you learned in this process of just trying to stay healthy? Yeah, well, well, mentally it definitely takes a toll. I mean, there are some days like after the surgery, I was like, wow, this really happened. You know, like it, I'm really in a cast again. Like I'm really not playing I'm really not out there competing with my teammates so that's that was the toughest part especially at the end of the season because you know I was playing well I had just you know played well against Chicago was started the game well in Vegas and then went down with a freak accident so um I just trying to keep it in perspective as as far as like there's there's a lesson that I'm supposed to learn here there's something more that I'm supposed to know um, and this is the way of, you know, God sitting me down and be like, hey, I need you to sit down for a second and, and you know, really figure some things out. So, um, and, you know, maybe it is the, you know, me figuring out where my heart's going to be after basketball or things like that. You just, you know, you just never know. And so, um, you know, I, w- I was really upset after this one because I was like, man, I worked so hard, you know, to get back from my Achilles. And, yeah, it wasn't the year that I wanted in Phoenix, but I, I finally felt like myself again, you know. So it, it definitely um, has its ups and downs. You know, that some days are better than others. Some days I'm more sore than others. But 
at the end of the day, I know that my heart is still with the game and I still um, have a lot left in me. And so that's why I work as hard as I do every single day. Yeah, I mean, and it should be noted that you are in Minneapolis working hard, you know, with the training staff. I mean, when you can be home or doing so many other things, I mean, it's obviously important to you to get healthy, um, you know, and for players that haven't had a lot of time to spend doing everything you want to do, it says a lot about your commitment that you're there um, going with the staff and getting physically healthy. I mean, all of that is um, it's commendable. It really is. And, and, and I and I understand, you know, any if I wake up in the morning and I'm in a little bit of a brain fog, I am upset because I'm like, I can't think the way right. I need to think to be myself. <laughs> so I can imagine right. waking up and you're like, OK, I want to go get on the court, but I can't really do that. And I always say I never got injured because I wasn't good enough. Like only good players get injured. <laughs> um, so I don't know that side of it, but, you know, we're 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 happy that you're working through things. So before I let you go, um, so you, for the fans that don't know a lot about D-Rob, like, I love your hair and Thank you. um, you're so Thank cultured. You. <laughs> I love the way you use your voice, you know, to, to important matters. You know, you're always, is it Boomer Sooner? Is that what it is? Boomer Sooner, okay, yes. Good. Okay, we know that's there. <laughs> I see that on your texts, on your tweets all the time. But um, what else do you enjoy just doing? Like, what does D-Rob love as a person, not just a basketball player? Well, as a person, um I love music, so um, any concert that I can get to, whether it's old school, whether it's new school, whether it's um, whatever I can get my hands on, like, I, I want to be there. I want to see it in person. Like, uh, most recently, um, he's not my favorite artist, and I don't really know much about him, but I went to Travis Scott just because he was at Target Center, and his energy was unbelievable and that's like the, the stuff that I love is like he's working hard on his craft and to know that he brings that every single night like I can't imagine the energy that he has to muster up every single night to perform the way he does but he does and so that's like the, the cool thing about it like the creativity of everybody else like he even had like a roller coaster um built for his stage like just crazy what? stuff and that's the, the cool stuff that I like um to see you know when I was in Phoenix I saw Earth, Wind and Fire like I'm just I just love music. So any type of, yeah, exactly. Any type of concert I can get to, like music is my thing. That's awesome. So you're going to hook us up with your playlist then, huh? Like, can we start getting, yeah, like, maybe, for sure, maybe, for sure, I can do that. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm thinking, even in your Insta story, if you put down, like, your top 10 songs, you know what I'm saying? Like, okay. that would be, because yeah. I need music, and tag me in it, please, because I'm still listening okay. to the 90s, and everybody's <laughs> mad at me, and I'm trying to evolve, but I'm like, this is the only music I know, I don't have time to test new music, so if you're going to test it. Yeah, but, see, I'm I'm with you, though, like, I prefer, like, the old, oh, old gosh, school, old school, like, that's, yeah, that's the real music, I'm like. I tell my friends all the time, like, if I was here, if I was alive during these times, like, man, oh, man. I don't know oh, how yeah. I would act because okay. the music is so good. <laughs> I know. That Marvin Gaye have you acting up, exactly. won't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, that is awesome. I will look for those songs. And, D-Rob, it has been a pleasure, as always, visiting with you. I know that there are so many wonderful things in store for you in your career in basketball, off the court. You're just a fantastic person. I am honored to be connected to you, and we appreciate your time today. Thanks for coming on the show. Well, thank you for having me, and thank you for speaking so highly of me. I really, truly appreciate the support since the beginning from you. So Day one. You. I'm a day, day one, y'all. Day one, always. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you soon, Danielle. Thank you. Okay. All right, fans, hopefully you enjoyed the show. We will be back next week. I want to thank all of our guests and all of you, the fans, for tuning in. Um, once again, congratulations to the um, Tarika Foster-Brasby family um, on Jada <laughs> making the basketball team. I know your husband's probably going to say, just call it the Brasby family. Like, My bad. <laughs> um, congrats to Jada. And if your daughter's out here hooping, hey. More power to you. We want all young girls to at least touch the basketball at some yep. point in their life. Um, it was life changing for myself and also Tarika, who has informed us that she has plenty of medals and awards at her house to show for it. Um, we will see you next week. So sick of it, Thank you so much. Bye, for fans. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to Around the Rim. Check out more podcasts from ESPN on the ESPN app.